tonight, I finally did it. My sit-down interview one-on-one with Geert Wilders, the winner of the Dutch parliamentary elections. It's November 30th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Oh, hi there, Ezra Levant here again. Uh, We landed in Amsterdam. We drove down to The Hague, which is the capital city of the Netherlands. And I'm standing in front of a building called the Tweedkamer, which is a Dutch way of saying the second house, the second chamber. This is their parliament. This is where Geert Wilders has been a member of parliament for years, toiling away in obscurity. And frankly, I, I never thought in a million years he would actually win the Dutch elections. And I'm not sure if he thought he would too. Obviously, he hoped he would, and he was working for that result. But it was like a thunderclap. And he even, even he seemed surprised by the massive result. Look at this short video he tweeted on election night. I think he was truly startled by the results. Take a look. Well, the thing is, because of their electoral system, I think it's a kind of proportional representation, there are a ton of little parties here. It's not like our Canadian first-past-the-post system that really weeds out small parties like the Green Party or the People's Party. Here, every faction has its representation. So the idea of one party getting an absolute majority in the Tvedekammer is extremely unlikely. Now, Geert Wilders has by far the largest party, but he needs to make a coalition with other parties. We're going to see Geert Wilders tonight. We're staying at a hotel right across from a restaurant where he's having a meeting with people who are against open borders migration, or asylum seekers as they're called here. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to catch up with him. I haven't talked to him in a few years since I interviewed him here in the Tveid Cameron. It's an interesting building. It's uh, an unusual architecture. It is extremely high security. Even coming here, you can see these enormous steel barriers. There's a, there's a police vehicle here. Uh, I know that because I was in there and, and there was a security threat to Geert Wilders when I was here last time and he was in a special room that was guarded. The man lives under 24 7 guards. In fact, we were at the hotel. We put our stuff down. We were only in the Netherlands for 25 hours, if you can believe it. It's a real whistle-stop tour. So we put our stuff in the hotel, had a quick shower because the night flight. Uh, we scoped out the restaurant where the meeting's going to meet, and then we came down here to the trade camera. Even as we were leaving the hotel, it dawned on me there was an enormous number of security there. And they and it's not a fancy hotel. It's a, it's a fairly rundown hotel, actually. But all these security, I was like, what's the security for? They asked for a room key. They were there securing the venue because Geert Wilders is coming. And then as we were leaving, a bunch of police arrived and were liaising with the security. And it reminded me that Geert Wilders moves with about 10 special secret service cops at all times. And think about that. They probably have three shifts a day, right? So, and then, and then they have replacements and people on vacation and you have command centers and you have advanced teams like we saw there today. There's got to be 50 people working full time just protecting Geert Wilders from death threats. And it's not an idle thing. I don't know if you know the name 
uh, Theo van Gogh. Uh, it's pronounced slightly different with the proper Dutch pronunciation. I'm not going to try. Uh, he was, uh, I think, the great-grandson or a descendant of Vincent van Gogh, the famous Dutch uh, painter and artist. He was a, a filmmaker who, with Ian Hersey made a film criticizing the role of women in Islam. The movie was called Submission. He was murdered. He was assassinated. And Ayan Hersi who was born in Somalia, rebelled against Islam, came to Holland, actually sat in Parliament. Take a look at some of these guys just walking by. And then there's some more armed police over there. Sorry, I was just uh, mid-story, but would you agree with me? This is a, a heavily armed a heavily guarded area. Anyway, back to the story about Theo Van Gogh, assassinated, and Ian Hersey who was an MP here as well, eventually left the country, in large part because of security threats. That's not the only one. There was a politician here in the Netherlands named Pim Fortown, and he was he would describe himself as flamboyantly gay. He would drive around in a limousine with a little lap dog, and he was very, very gay. That was part of his political identity. And that's what made him critical of Islam, because one of the core tenets of Islam is sexual modesty. Uh, obviously, homosexuality is punishable by death, and there's other issues as well, like uh, women having to be covered, women not being able to go out without uh, a guardian or a husband or a father. And, and so Pim Fortown was assassinated, Theo Van Gogh was assassinated, and so now Geert Wilders himself has a serious retinue of bodyguards at all times. And like I say, when I was visiting here years ago, there was a security threat. Apparently, one of his bodyguards tipped off someone about his planned whereabouts, and that put the whole place under lockdown. My interview with him was almost canceled, and we had to have it in a high-security room. That's what life is like when you criticize Islam. And it's one of the reasons why across the West people are afraid. I think back a few days ago when Tommy Robinson in the United Kingdom was arrested by police just for being there. He was there at the, anti, the March Against Anti-Semitism in the streets of London. And the police just picked him up and carted him off and pepper sprayed him in the face for good measure. And they did that because they knew there would not be riots. They knew there would not be bombings. Whereas people who walk the streets of London with extremely anti-Semitic jihadist comments, the police don't dare touch them because they, they know there would quite likely be a violent reaction. So the actual fear of murder is very real. And I think far more pervasive, especially in places like Canada, is the fear of being called racist itself. I've told you before about the city of Rotherham in the United Kingdom, city of about a quarter million people where 1,400 young women were raped. In a city of 250,000, 1,400 were raped, and not just once, they were raped again and again by what are called rape gangs or grooming gangs. And this was over a, a course of years. And this was almost immediately known to people in Rotherham, to social workers, to police, to emergency rooms and hospitals, to parents, to the media, to politicians. But everyone kept it a secret. No one talked about it because everyone was afraid of being called racist. And again, that's not my theory. There was a commission of inquiry into how did, how did 1,400 girls get raped in a town the size of Rotherham? And again and again, everyone said they were afraid of being called racist if they spoke out about it. So imagine the fear of being called racist 
plus the fear of actually being assassinated. Kurt Wilders has stood up to both of those fears for really two decades. Um, in constant physical danger and obviously politically denounced, he was prosecuted by the Dutch prosecutors. He was charged with crimes for insulting Islam. In the end, he appealed and won those, but not before going through years of persecution at the hands of the government, a government that he now is poised to lead, if he can. Because that's one of the most interesting things about the Netherlands, is until recently it was governed by a absolute role model, World Economic Forum young leader, Mark Rutte, sort of like um, uh, Justin Trudeau in Canada, sort of like Leo Varadkar in Ireland, just a total globalist, global warming enthusiast, feminist, um, anti-industrialist, open borders extremist. For the Netherlands to go from Mark Rutte to Geert Wilders is whiplash. And it's not just whiplash, so much turns on it. And that's why the political establishment would do anything it can to deny Geert Wilders his electoral win. It's one of the things I want to talk to him about tonight, when hopefully we see him at that restaurant we scoped out earlier in the day. Hey, I just want to practice my Dutch with you one time. I, we're in an interesting place downtown. You can see the National Bibliotheque. Uh, I'm pronouncing that wrong, of course. You surely can guess that means the National Library. Um, it's celebrating 225 years. These things are easy to read. There's the Kinder Book and Museum. My guess is that means the uh, the kids, uh, the, the Museum of Children's Books. And there's the Literature Museum. Do you see that up there? And then there's a word I've been practicing over and over and over again because you do not want to say this wrong. The Nederlands Institute for Kunstgeschiedenis. My friends, you do not want to mispronounce that word. All right, I'll come back to you uh, with more from the heart of the Netherlands here in The Hague. Hi, everybody. I know I'm looking a little bit scruffy. I confess that we've actually been trapped at the Amsterdam airport for 24 hours. It's a, it's not a bad airport to be stuck in for 24 hours, but frankly, no airport is a good place to be stuck in for 24 hours, but it was worth it. Uh, the reason we were stuck is a series of delays that happened because we jammed in a one-on-one -on -one interview with Heer Wilders, the new uh, winner of the Dutch parliamentary elections a week ago. Uh, as you know, I bumped into him at an event in The Hague when uh, he was attending a town hall meeting against asylum seekers. That's what they call migrants here. I talked to him for only about a minute or so in that outdoor scrum where there were a ton of well-wishers and other journalists. But afterwards, I connected with his press secretary to arrange something more formal. Just a reminder, here's how that two-minute scrum went. It was exciting to see him again. You'll remember he says, I've known you for years. He recognized me. I had been um, talking to him by Twitter direct message. So he, he was sort of surprised to see me there, but not totally surprised. Here's that scrum just for one minute. What's yes. your message to supporters yes. in Canada, the United States, yes. and places like that? Do you have encouraging words for them? Yes, of course. We had a, a fantastic uh, result of the elections. We were by far uh, the biggest winner uh, and party in the Netherlands today which proves that um, um, it is possible, you know. Um, we know each other for quite some time, and um, it, it is a, a tough fight, it is a long fight. You need to have some uh, perseverance, and 
um, um, everybody tries to work against you in a way, but at the end of the day, um, if you keep on trying and, 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 and talking about the right issues like asylum, immigration, uh, national sovereignty, and, and uh, people will respond to it. And die deed het hartstikke bedankt. Geweldig. Leuk je te zien. Ja, dat ga ik. Ik, daarvoor ben ik hier om jullie te steunen. Echt geweldig. Ah, ja, ja, ik doe mijn best. Hartstikke goed. So that's that's actually the the the, the positive uh, message I have uh, today. It's possible. Everything is possible. Have you received support from leaders in other countries? Yes, of course I did from uh, many countries, uh, uh, leaders from parliament, uh, ministers, and even some presidents. Um, so so I got some uh, some uh, support and people were uh, very happy, sometimes surprised. Um, it, it was a shock, not only in Holland, but certainly in the rest of the European Union as well. And I think that's good, you know, it's not the, the elite who uh, decides everything um, all the way until the end of time. Uh, we can change reality. We can we can fight uh, for freedom and we can we can win. This is the message. We can win. And I hope um, I, I give some 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 incentive to others to, to continue to struggle because everybody can do it as long as you keep on trying. Thank you for your time. It's my pleasure. I mean, that was exciting and it was good to get those basic questions answered. But those weren't particularly deep questions or deep answers. But I was able to secure a one-on-one -on -one meeting in the Tweedkamer, which means second chamber. That's their parliament buildings the next morning. Now, he's so busy with his coalition negotiations and press, and, and he really is the leading man in uh, the Netherlands these days. So we were only allotted, I think it was 17 minutes. But I feel like I managed to cover a lot of ground in that. You know me. When I interview people, <laughs> sometimes I tend to say, blah, 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 blah. Don't you think? That's not a real way of interviewing someone. I had to restrain myself to get maximum words from him. He's the newsmaker. But I did have certain issues in mind. Anyways, without further ado, here is my 17-minute interview with Heert Wilders, the leader of the Party for Freedom, the winner of last week's parliamentary elections here in the Netherlands. First of all, congratulations. You looked genuinely surprised by uh, the result. Yes, uh, I, I was. And not in a way that we um, won some parliamentary seats, but, you know, I hoped and I predicted that if we went from 17 to 25, we would have an excellent result. But it was not 25, but 37, you know. One out of four Dutchmen voted for my party, which was an, an, an earthquake in uh, Dutch. Uh, and maybe also European politics. So, so, so of course, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased and grateful to all those uh, Dutch uh, uh, citizens and votants, uh, almost two and a half million people, who um, Dutchmen who voted for my party, and that's that's an enormous uh, compliment. Now it looks like uh, there are a number of other parties whose voters tell pollsters they want them to form a coalition with you, but it looks like some of the opposition parties don't want to do a coalition. It looks like they want to sort of deny the results of the election. How's that going? Yeah, we are now in the process of um, 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 talking um, 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 about this issue uh, in Parliament. And um, you are totally right. Um, uh, if you look at the four parties that I think is possible to form a coalition with, the Conservative uh, Liberal Party, uh, the Farmer Party, and the new party of Peter Omtzigt, uh, the four of us would have a, a big majority in Parliament. And uh, more than 80, sometimes even 90% of the um, voters of all those four parties want us uh, to work together. Um, still, it's not automatically in, in a normal uh, situation or country. We would have almost formed the government already. 
but some of those parties are hesitant. You know, um, uh, some because they have lost the elections, believe that it's not their place now um, to to govern, whether that's a real reason or not, that's what they're saying. Others because they believe that some points out of our party program against Islamization are uh, against our constitution and they don't want to work with a party who works against the constitution. Uh, so so it's, it's not automatically. So I have to do my best uh, to at least uh, uh, get those four parties around the table <laughs> and talk to one another. It will probably take time. Um, 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 and I hope that that will be the result and that not um, um, other parties will take the initiative and indeed, as you said, steal those elections away from us. Um, it, it's not that far yet. It's a possibility, but I'm still um, hopeful that um, um, we have a chance to, uh, to form a coalition in the government. You have a lot of ideas that you stood for over the years on immigration, on Islam, on a Brexit for the Netherlands. Uh, obviously, in any compromise or coalition, yeah. there would be some high priorities and other things that you would maybe do later. Have you thought about, have you expressed what your absolute priorities are that are non-negotiable and other things that are maybe less important? Of course. Um, you're totally right. In, 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 in Holland, uh, unlike uh, the United States or the United Kingdom, um, we don't have a two-party system. We have a multi-party system. We have something like 20 parties in Parliament today. And uh, to get a majority, um, um, you need to compromise. You cannot make sure that your whole party program will be um, um, the government program. It's impossible. If you, if, you, if you aim for that, you will always be in the opposition. So I have to compromise. And it's a very good question. What are our priorities? Our first priority is uh, to, to, to cut back in the enormous figures when it comes to immigration and asylum seekers. You know, it's it's... Uh, Holland cannot face it anymore. The European Union cannot face it anymore. All the measures that that, that the European Union as a collective is making are totally ineffective, and we have um, um, and we are overcrowded, and, and and the people are fed up with it. So the first thing is that we should take measures uh, to stop the uh, influx of so many asylum seekers and non-Western immigrants. This is my first priority. Second priority is that um, um, uh, people feel that they are totally rejected, the Dutchmen, the indigenous people. Uh, they believe that uh, while we spend uh, 60, 17 billion uh, euros a year uh, um, um, when it comes to uh, nitrogen or uh, climate change or all those other things, that um, um, they are, have trouble um, paying their, for their utilities, uh, the rent, uh, uh, the gasoline for their car, um, 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 the, the, the social security or the, the healthcare system. So we believe that we should stop um, um, feeding those leftish, liberal, ideological nonsense issues, and we should more um, make sure that our people uh, have enough uh, money in their pocket and really can can help our economy and help themselves. So those issues um, are the two most important. Stop the immigration and the asylum seeking. Be proud of our own identity, culture, and everything that goes with that. And make sure that we make better choices with the euros that we have. Uh, don't spend it to Africa. Don't spend it to um, um, other countries in the European Union uh, as a transfer union that we almost have in the eurozone. Uh, don't spend it on nitrogen and other issues. Uh, uh, give our own people their money back with lower taxes and uh, lower burdens uh, uh, for the Dutchmen. Uh, you're not the prime minister yet, and I imagine some world leaders would wait until you have that position before congratulating you, but you did win the election with an enormous number. Have any world leaders publicly 
congratulated you or wished you well, uh, or how have other world leaders treated you since the election? Well, um, I get more um, invitations uh, or um, 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 uh, nice messages than I ever had before. I don't know whether they are public, so I should be careful what I say. But for instance, from Israel, I got uh, from ministers, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, Minister of Intelligence, uh, who uh, people from Likud who invited me and congratulated me. I had a phone conversation with uh, Viktor Orban, who called me. I know I'm already for a long time, so uh, but but still, who called me and congratulated me. Uh, there were politicians from 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 all over the world, from South America to America, who um, um, public or not public did that. And uh, this, this, I mean, it is it's really news, you know. You see that uh, in Europe, it was unexpected that um, uh, so many people would vote against the sitting elite. You know, they didn't expect it. They are not prepared for it. They are in panic now in Brussels, for instance, for what should we do uh, if this guy would get to power, you know? And this is also um, what uh, makes it more difficult today to form a coalition in the Netherlands. So um, I have to be responsible. I have to be able to compromise. I have to, 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 to make sure that the two and a half million people who voted for my party also get the influence what they voted for. And that means I also will have to compromise. But the signal throughout Europe and many parts of the world is quite clear that um, um, the people are, a growing amount of people are fed up with how they are dealt with by the current and sitting elite in so many countries. You know, you saw it in other countries uh, like Hungary, but also you see the growth of, of Marine Le Pen in France, of uh, Mr. Salvini who is in government in Italy now. We saw it in Sweden. We see in Belgium that the Flams Belang is doing well. We see in Germany. So you see a kind of a kind of revival of the uh, what I call patriotic uh, movement um, uh, politically. And we need it to be politically because if you want to change anything in our society, you need to be um, 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 in charge and influential in your, in your national democracy. And 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 it, it goes for the better. And the best way to prove it is that the sitting elite is totally shocked, don't know how to deal with it. Uh, and I think that uh, proves that we are on the right track. I saw you last night uh, at an event. There must have been 30 or 40 police there. And I remember when I visited you before, your security is a very high priority because of threats of violence. But there's also another fear. People who criticize immigration or Islam, uh, they don't just have fear of assassination. They they have fear of being called racist. Yeah. Um, what advice would you have for people in other countries who want to take the same position as you on immigration, but are afraid of either violence or more likely, they're afraid that they'll just be called racist? Yes. Well, the, the, the one thing that, that really helps is to, to find a political party, to start a political party, to support an existing political party uh, that, 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 that makes it uh, something that is more common, you know. That's what we saw in Holland. Where we started, when I started my political party, exactly the same happened. I'm in the in the problems now with my personal security because I got five fatwas from Pakistan, from from many uh, Arab countries, where imams uh, and and mullahs uh, said that I had to be killed. Um, today, you see in Holland that not only when it comes to immigration, but also when it comes to other issues, that um, 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 people are not afraid to say it anymore. You know, that's one of the differences of last week. People were whispering to one another in the last few years that, okay, I, I vote for this PVV and this Willis guy, but they, they said it uh, while having a coffee at their work instead of uh, publicly. And now people are 
for the first time in Holland, they are proud to do so. They say it at work. They say it uh, when they go to the gym. They say it uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a party, a birthday party with their, with their neighbors. So uh, at, at the end of the day, we make this criticism normal because we know that the elite was ignoring it and was calling us racist, but we are everything but racist. In Holland and in so many other countries, the indigenous people are the people that are discriminated against. Mm-hmm. It's not the people who are entering our country. Uh, in Holland, people get housing, asylum seekers get housing, and they get preferential housing before the Dutch indigenous people. So who is discriminating who? And people uh, are, are really angered about that. And if, they, if, they, if, they, if you want to get uh, to capitalize it, you need a, a political institution, a political group, who does it? And that's what I said. We are in many more countries in Europe. Um, parties are getting successful. So um, uh, people like you and uh, the alternative media really help a lot by saying what a lot of other media doesn't uh, want to broadcast or to say. But at the end of the day, you need a political translation to influence in a, in a, in a parliament and a government. And so that's what I would advise. Don't be afraid. Um, 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 speak out, but try to Canal it, canalize it in a, a, a political group. Uh, other countries like Canada, the Conservative Party is pretty conservative and pretty freedom oriented, but it still has an open borders immigration policy. In the United Kingdom, the Conservative Party open borders policy every day across the English Channel. What advice would you give to freedom oriented conservative parties um, who are obviously afraid of losing? Um, the vote of uh, new new immigrants. What, what what advice would you have for Canada or the United Kingdom? Well, don't be afraid. Um, first, don't be afraid. A lot of people will support you. Secondly, it's a totally misconception that the immigrants would disagree because maybe for some people, surprisingly, the immigrants agree. Many of the immigrants agree. For in Holland, uh, many of the immigrants, even many Muslims, voted for my party because they know that when there is too much influx of immigration, that the integration and the success for them will only uh, diminish. So they also are in favor of less immigration. They know, they see what will happen with the housing, with the with the income, with the jobs, with everything. So surprisingly, it's not surprisingly, but surprisingly to many people, they are often our allies. They don't want uh, more immigrants to come as well. And the own voters, the indigenous people, they, uh, in, in a growing majority, also feel the same. So uh, don't be afraid to be political correct or incorrect. Uh, just state your mind. Uh, people believe, I always make the comparison to one's person's house. You know, you have to be able in your own house to decide who will be your guest and when the guest should leave. And this should, this should be your autonomous uh, and a nationwide and national decision. And Holland, most of it, we, we gave those powers to the European Union. Canada is a sovereign country. There is no European Union in Canada. So the Canadian government really can decide um, to um, close the borders for people they don't want to enter, like President Trump uh, did and is planning to do if he would win uh, next year by uh, uh, people from certain countries. So don't be afraid. Just do it, and you will be surprised how many people support it, including uh, the um, um, immigrants themselves. You're, I'm grateful to you for fitting us in your schedule. I know you have to leave in about three minutes. Can I put some ideas to you and you can give me like a 30-second top-of-mind response? Um, what are your thoughts on Russia, Ukraine in 30 seconds, if it's possible? Yeah. Well, um, um, I believe that uh, Russia is the bad guy here. 
Um, I believe that whatever you think of the Ukraine, corrupt country, but um, um, it's a sovereign nation and the, uh, Russia should not have uh, started the war uh, against Ukraine. So I'm on the part of the, of the, of the Ukraine here. I believe that the Dutch should not uh, give um, um, defense material to them um, because we have very little material ourselves and other nations are doing it. Um, I believe there should be negotiations instead of a war, but I'm very clear that the one who started it is Russia and nobody else. How about the war between Israel and Hamas? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, it, it's not a war about land. That is my message. It's a war about ideology. If you give land, like my friend Ariel Sharon, um, I knew him very well. I was his guest when he was um, um, uh, when he started to become a president, prime minister. I was at his funeral. I know him for so many years. He was a great guy. One mistake he made was giving Gaza, um, 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 return Gaza uh, to the uh, to the Palestinians. Um, it, don't make the mistake that if you give a part of land to um, Palestinians or others, that uh, the problem will be solved because it's not a problem of land; it's a problem of ideology. It's 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 people who hate, um, who like, who love death against people who cherish life. It's 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 Israel is fighting our war. We support we should support Israel because um, they have our values. They are a democratic nation. And if Israel falls, I always say if Jerusalem falls, Rome, Paris, Amsterdam will be next. So um, 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 I support the decisions the Israeli make. They should make the decisions whether they what they should do militarily or politically. But um, I believe we should all support Israel all the way um, and instead of criticizing them. I think I only have time for one last question. Earlier, you mentioned independent media like Rebel News. Uh, in Canada and in the United Kingdom and in Ireland and many countries, there are new censorship laws. You yourself have been prosecuted for hate speech. Uh, w are you worried about global censorship, New Zealand, places like that? What are your thoughts on censorship? No, I'm, I'm very worried about that. It's that, that the, 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 the governments, uh, the parties, the institutions that know that they cannot win on the base of arguments that they are afraid for opponents uh, to speak the truth. And even if they don't consider it the truth, it is an opinion and people should be informed by both ways. Um, I don't mind if there are government institutions or government television, but there should also be free speech for almost everything. I really um, 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 long for a kind of First Amendment that the Americans have, that we should have, that uh, Canada uh, should have, that the whole free world should have. We, sh we should never accept that they uh, would not allow us to speak our mind and 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 and, and stations like uh, rebel media and yourself are are are, are the most important today um, i believe many more people um, um, follow you and watch your programs than uh, they did 10 years ago for exactly the reason not only because you have a good program because they have no alternative to look at so so this is also why politics is important we had in holland uh, now in the last few months we had this new a public broadcaster called Ongehoord Nederland. Uh, they um, were within the public system, but they were very critical. And the all elite said we should forbid them because they said something wrong about uh, whatever. And they didn't like it. And finally, now after the elections, when they saw that my party was big, the secretary of media said that they could stay in uh, in the air and they should not have to shut down. And I don't know if it's a direct result of our winning the elections, but it's too much of a coincidence that they did it a few days after the elections. So again, here, political power, fighting for freedom of speech um, um, against 
uh, the, 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 what, what, what the elite wants to do and not to let us speak the truth is the only way and uh, we will get there. I mean, our, if, 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 if uh, my, um, the winning of the PVV means anything uh, for other nations um, is that there is hope for change. Congratulations again and thank you for your time today. Thank you for coming here. What do you think of that? There's a lot in there. In fact, I think tomorrow, when I'm back in Toronto, hopefully, if we ever get out of this airport, um, I'd like to go through those things again, because each one of his answers was very dense, as in jam-packed with meaning from his take on Ukraine to his thoughts on Israel to even something I thought was very interesting, that he said many immigrants to uh, the Netherlands are against mass migration for reasons including they don't want antipathy towards themselves because of bad behaving bogus refugees a lot in there i want to unpack that but what do you think of it how did you think i did in that interview i think in some ways it's the most prestigious interview i have been able to secure he's not prime minister yet but he's obviously most likely to be the prime minister he's a momentous man who won a smashing election landslide and he clearly is a man of ideas i and and frankly, there's some uh, affection between the two of us. You may recall, more than 10 years ago, I went on a speaking tour in Canada with Geert Wilders, and to see him win the prize or come within an arm's reach or arm's length of winning the prize is quite something. Anyways, I'm going to say goodbye now. Our plane is hopefully boarding for uh, going home to Canada, and uh, we'll get out of this lovely airport. But no airport is lovely enough that you'd want to stay an extra day. Um, to see all of our reports on our uh, whirlwind trip, uh, we put them all on a page called thetruthaboutvilders.com. Vilders spelled with a W, so it, it's actually spelled thetruthaboutwilders.com. We have a bunch of videos, including interesting on-the-street videos. We call them streeters. I think you'll get a kick out of those. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to try and go home now until tomorrow. On behalf of all of us here in, where are we today? Amsterdam, to wherever you are in the world. Good night, and keep fighting for freedom.